Don't wait until the holidays to show your new and existing customers that you're invested in their success. Hello, and welcome to Marketing to Complex Industries, presented by Godfrey, a B2B marketing agency for industries like yours. Each week, we feature conversations about the latest challenges, strategies, and technologies for B2B marketers. I'm Scott Troba. I'm Cliff Lewis. And today, we're going to have a conversation with Matt Kabick about a blog post that he wrote for Godfrey.com called Four Great Gifts for B2B Customers, No Matter the Season. Yeah, it was a really, uh, it was a really great post. I, I read it just uh, earlier today. And... Um... You know, I got to say it, it kind of threw me for a loop at first because um, I was I was interested just just in the title alone, um, the post title for four great gifts for B2B customers, no matter the season, because I'm thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about the fact that we're all separated from one another. We're not sharing the same physical space. Maybe there are some cool ideas for for tchotchkes or, you know, desk candy, desktop gadgets for the for the B2B marketer who has everything. And I'm, uh, I'm actually waiting for somebody to come up with a Bluetooth enabled stapler. Yeah, man. Like that's the kind of stuff I, I, I was expecting. Um, and then as I, as I read a little further, I, I, I actually really kind of appreciated the, the bait and switch because it really, it really made me think because the kinds of gifts that Matt was really talking about were gifts, like the gift of, of checking in the gift of sharing your ideas, the gift of giving your customers an inside look at, at what your organization's working on, stuff like that. So it's in, it like intangible stuff. It was uh, really relationship oriented stuff. And, uh, you know, to me, it's it was like the gift of connection is what he was talking about, which reminded me a lot of something, Scott, you and I have have spent a lot of time talking about, and we've we've done some talks around this this topic, which is the idea of the patron saint of B2B marketers, none other than Fred Rogers uh, himself, uh, who who told us? There's a famous quote from Fred Rogers and Scott. I'm putting you on the spot here, but I think you're gonna I think you're gonna deliver. Uh, what is the famous Mister Rogers quote about the greatest gift that a person? The can greatest, give? yeah. The the greatest gift you can ever give another is your honest self. Exactly. The greatest gift you can ever give is your honest self. And that really, this, this unique perspective that Matt brought, because Matt always brings, you know, working with Matt on a regular basis, he brings this, like this tremendous wealth of, of empathy, uh, just, and you see it when you just have conversations with Matt day to day, but you, it comes through in his work and, and in his thinking as well. Um, and the perspective he brought to just gift giving and thinking about it as more of a, a giving of oneself uh, into a relationship with with a customer was was really pretty profound, and it made me think about that Fred Rogers uh, mentality. Because um, one of the things that Fred was really famous for was he had, and Scott, you know about this, I'm sure, but you know he was famous for his many many very deep friendships that he had formed with people he'd met. People he'd met at work, people he'd met on the set, people he'd met through charitable engagements. And these were often people who would otherwise, for almost any ordinary person, connections that would turn into very loose, very distant acquaintances. And somehow Fred had this seemingly magical way of remembering these people, 
reaching out to these people, checking in with these people on a regular basis to the point that many of them came out of their relationship with Fred after he'd passed with this whole wealth of stories of all the times that he'd made a connection with them. He'd reached out, he'd given him that gift of, of himself and that gift of a connection on a regular basis. Um, well, that, that was yeah. one of the really interesting things that I think that, that came out after he passed away is you started to hear these stories of someone who was hired to drive him somewhere. And, uh, and he was so good at making fast friends and would wind up canceling whatever he was about to do or postponing it so that he could go have dinner at the driver's house and, uh, and sit around and play the piano for a while. And, you know, they make these memories. Um, and I, I can truly say when you, when you wonder how he found the time. Uh, I think that his favorite hobby was just friendship, really. Yeah, yeah, and and I think the word hobby is a really good one because because the the point that really really came to me after considering this idea of of gifts and the way that uh, Matt is framing them in his blog is is um you know it's it's an intentional effort, it's an intentional act uh, to do the kind of the to build the kind of uh, bonds that Fred managed to build in his life. So, so one of the things that's really fascinating that I've just learned in the last year about Fred, and I've done a lot of reading about Fred Rogers, as you have Scott, and but this was something I didn't know. There's this guy, um, Tom Junod, I think I'm saying his name right, Junod, uh, who is actually the guy who wrote the original essay. Uh, on which uh, the film starring Tom Hanks, uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, was was based on Tom Junod's original essay. He is the, you know, he's the guy that, you know, he's the actual journalist, the real life version of the journalist character in that movie. And Tom kind of wrote a retrospective just in this last year, looking back at his relationship with Fred. And one of the things he spent a lot of time talking about in this piece was, was how how Fred managed to know so much about him, managed to check in with him so regularly and and to always seem to remember so many minute details about Tom. And you'd think that this is just some sort of preternatural ability, some kind of like superpower that this guy Fred had. But what Tom discovered years after uh, Fred's passing was that it wasn't really magic and it wasn't even really a special talent on on Fred's part. Um, he actually discovered that in the Fred Rogers archive where they collected and saved all of Fred's notes and, and materials and everything that he'd, he'd collected professionally over the years, Tom discovered that Fred had kept a file on him and he had many, many files like this file that he'd collected for many, many people that he'd met uh, over the years. And this file specifically about this one man, Tom. Uh, had printouts of their correspondence and their letters that they'd written back and forth. They had notes written on yellow legal pad paper where Fred had written down the the name, you know, Tom's name, the name of his his wife, his family, the names of his dogs, uh, the names of some of his extended relatives that he'd mentioned, um, and and all kinds of details and information about Tom. And that was how Fred managed to to care for people and to know about people was he, he didn't just do it automatically. It was a discipline. It was an intentional effort. And well, I, yeah, that's, that's fascinating because, uh, and what that really shows is that, um, it, it does take effort. It takes discipline and it's about that in investment of time, uh, which, which really is, I think the cornerstone of what Matt is, is talking about in this, in this interview. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, it takes work to build 
these kinds of close relationships, but it's really worthwhile. And the thing that I thought about reading reading Matt's blog was was that the that what he's really talking about this relationship is it's this X factor that exists. And and if anyone has had a long-term client or customer relationship, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's that X factor that exists in that relationship with those folks that you might've been working with. Um, although you don't, you aren't colleagues within the same company. Um, you might have a, a vendor customer relationship or, you know, an agency client relationship, whatever it may be. Uh, you have been working together for a long time and there's this X factor in that relationship that really holds it together. And that X factor uh, is, is really the glue of it. Um, certainly the, the outcomes, the results that you bring to your customers, to your clients are, are of foremost importance, of course. And if you can't deliver, deliver marketing results and outcomes and ROI, you're going to be in trouble. But what really makes it takes a healthy functioning relationship and turns it into something really enduring is that that deeper connection that you form on a human to human basis with these people. And that is the kind of client or customer relationship that manages to hold up even during turbulent times. And obviously it's, it's valuable to be investing in those kinds of that kind of X factor during a time like this in a global economy like this. Yeah, I'm I'm reminded of uh, of Neil Gaiman in his uh, in his Make Good Art speech, um, which was a, a graduation speech he gave a few years ago, where he talked about doing freelance work and essentially being that that business of one person, and uh, and what a differential it makes, what a, what a true difference it makes when it's always a pleasure to hear from you, and when there's that human connection, right? The work gets done, the work is good. But if you're pleasant and if you're nice and if you're if you're um, if you're invested in that relationship, it gives you an edge in business. Uh, it gives you an edge in in any you know service or or goods that you provide uh, because it it makes people feel seen. And and uh, and Matt and I talked about about that um, about people feeling seen, about them feeling that investment and feeling that attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there, there was a quote I pulled out from, from Matt's post where, um, sorry, let me re-say that. Um, yeah. And there was a, a quote that I pulled out from, from Matt's post that really seems to kind of capture his thesis here, uh, where he says, as with any gift, it's the thought that counts most. And these gifts show your customers that you're thinking about how to help them all year long, which to me, uh, kind of sounds a whole lot like, the greatest gift you'll ever give is your honest self. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So um, I think we've we've probably set Matt up and set this interview up enough yeah. <laughs> that we can go ahead and and move right into it. Um, but uh, yeah, Cliff, I, I think that that what you're talking about there it makes makes a lot of sense. It's good insight into into why uh, what Matt talks about here really is that effective. Yeah, um, and I, I think that should that should resonate with everybody. Yeah, let's check it out. Um, yeah, let's check it out. I'm here with Matt Kabick, one of our copywriters at Godfrey. Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thanks, Scott. Um, well, I've been a copywriter for Godfrey, uh, I want to say somewhere around five years now. Um, my main goal as a copywriter is just to take the really intricate details that our clients have and kind of smoothing them out to the point where they seem natural, they flow beautifully, and they're easily understood. Very good. And it takes, it takes a, I think a solid degree of empathy for our clients and for their customers to be able to do that effectively. Right. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, any any business is a business between people, and I think uh, being empathetic to each other is uh, the kind of the the starting point of understanding for anything. Yeah, it's really the cornerstone for for good customer relations. And that actually brings us to what we were going to talk about today, which um, you had had written a really good blog post about gifts that you can give clients and customers all year long. And when I saw that headline, I was thinking, oh, okay, so here are some, some interesting you know, services. There's a lot of gift giving services now where you can uh, select something that, that people get in the mail and it's sort of branded and it's maybe a little sight unseen for you and it's a set it and forget it sort of deal. That's what I was expecting. But what you actually had to say was something very different. Yeah. And I, I was surprised this all kind of kicked off because I came across um, a statistic that it was something like 80% of, of customers will leave their marketers because they don't feel like they're cared for, which is amazing considering that being cared for isn't necessarily what people pay for when they get work done for them. That's interesting. Well, I I would guess that being cared for at at its root essentially means that you're being seen and that you have value. Yeah, that you're that you're being seen and you're being listened to. Um and that you know, people are going beyond just what you're asking for to kind of give you more than that. Well, talk to me about uh about some of these ideas that you had, some of these ways that you recommend for making sure that people feel that and they feel that sense of connection. Well, I mean, most of them come down to kind of treating people as if you're in a in a non-business relationship with them. Kind of like how you would treat a good friend or um, you know, somebody that that you care about. And one of those and and the easiest one to do is to just check in. Um, by that, I mean, you know, you have standard like quarterly calls or you have reports that you have to give to your clients and that's great. And, and that's a good way of making sure things are staying on track. But um, having, having a more weekly check-in or, or even just, you know, sending an email of like, Hey, how are things going? Is there anything I should know about? Um, sharing that person to person relationship, uh, even if it's just 15 minutes um, can, can not only have a big impact on, work you can get, um, but also has a big impact on how your customers feel about you and, and your interest in their own business and their personal lives. What would you say to somebody who, who says, wow, that, that makes a lot of sense, but I have a lot of customers. I have a lot of people that I would need to talk to. That sounds time consuming. Is it really? I I don't think so. I mean, chances are a, a quick check-in, especially once you've established it, that can be as fast as, you know, what it would be to stand up and get coffee. Um, it can be as, as small as a 15-minute conversation because sometimes, obviously, your customer isn't going to have anything that they they want to talk about. But that's not necessarily the point. The point is, is that you're making that time um, just to check in and give them the opportunity to have that communication. Well, it also sounds like you're you're planting seeds at that point, which can then yield bigger dividends down the road. Oh, yeah. The thing is, staying top of mind is so important. And if a, a situation comes up that you're, that you're, you know, folks weren't expecting, if you're top of mind and they know that you're easy to reach out to, of course, they're going to go to you. Um, maybe even if they're used to working with somebody else or they're used to using a different process, they're going to remember that you've been checking in consistently. Um, for anything. And that means that you're kind of the go-to person. 
how would you how would you characterize this as at all different for your standard industrial marketing or or B2B buying cycle, which you know is a little different, I think, than than other other business relationships? Well, I think I think it's a little bit there's there's often this separation that that we put in place in B2B where we try to think of ourselves like what makes us different than B2C or what makes us different from this or what makes us different from that. I think this one we should have an easier job establishing these relationships because B2B has traditionally seemed uh, a little bit more I don't know industrial to use a word that probably is obvious um but this is introducing kind of that person to person idea so maybe you have to work around um you know if you if you know that your customer is going to be busy because of a certain situation or because of a launch or whatever it is maybe you have to be a little bit more aware of that but the truth is i think that it's it's just a matter of considering your b2b partners as people to people and making sure that your communication reflects that. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. So talk to me about other ideas that you have. There were, there were a number of them in, in the blog post that you wrote. What, what else would you suggest for, for people who are looking to stay connected during a time like this? Well, one thing that happens a lot is, um, you know, B2B is often fairly repetitive as far as what people want, uh, from, from their marketing group. And, um, you know, it can be like, just update this brochure, or we need another video, or we need to update our webpage for this new launch, whatever it is, doesn't matter. But it's easy as as marketers in B2B to kind of fall into that groove um, and not think about like, what are other things we could be doing? And it's even harder for for um, B2B companies to to really consider that as well, because they fall into the same trap. So one thing we can do, and we are specifically, I think, so well positioned to do is to just make suggestions every once in a while, kind of go outside of that, that typical scope of work, what you, you know, what you know, you're going to do every month, and just make suggestions on what things they could be doing that they haven't done before, that could have a really big impact. Seems to me like there'd be a lot of cases in which one really salient piece of information or one salient suggestion that you have could actually apply to a lot of clients. And so that would be a potential time saver while also really helping a wide variety of people. Absolutely. And I, I think that that kind of fits into that idea of lateral thinking of, you know, coming up with a good idea for client A. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that that wouldn't work for all of your other clients as well. Um, I think it's important whenever you're generating ideas, whenever you're making suggestions, to not just think about the situation at hand, but to think about how it can apply in the future and how it can apply even right at that moment to other contacts that you have. So a lot of the ideas that you're talking about are are really evergreen. Uh, they apply all the time. But we're talking about this in the context of the COVID-19 challenges that our society is facing. Uh, a lot of people have been working from home for the first time in their lives for the past month. Um, talk to me a little bit about how customers might feel overlooked uh, during a time like this and what you could what you could do to reach out to them if maybe they are, I'm going to say disoriented or maybe not not really in touch with a lot of the possibilities that are out there right now. 
Right, sure. Um, and I think, you know, this, this becomes really relevant now because oftentimes, you know, the, the customers who, who reach out the most, who ask the most are the ones that get addressed the most. And that makes a lot of sense, but, um, it's not, you'll sometimes have silent customers who are people who either just don't know the best way to reach out or they are unhappy, um, or don't understand what is is possible and they just don't know how to formulate it so one thing that we can do is we can remind customers about what's possible and by that i mean don't assume that you're all of your folks are are power users of whatever you're offering making little videos um infographics things that are shareable and easy to digest uh those are good ways to reinforce with your customers why they're working with you and what you can do and what they can do um and it kind of just helps, I don't know, it helps grease the wheel of, of coming up with new projects and new ways to work, even if that involves using things that you can already do or you can already accomplish. I think that's one of the big things that is is a challenge for marketers, especially if you are talking about the same thing a lot. Uh, it really feels like you're getting repetitive. And you have to remember that to that person – it might be the first time that they're hearing it. You're going to say the same thing over and over and over again. And I'm thinking about, you know, bands that have a signature hit and they hear it every night when they play it on stage, but the people in the audience may be hearing it live for the first time. And so I think there's a parallel there in terms of, of the repetition of things that may feel very common to you, but could be the one moment uh, when you're saying that it could be the one moment that flips the light switch for somebody else. Right. And that's something that happens all the time for um, professors or SMEs or whoever it's, you know, the, you know what you can do and you know the information so well, but you have to remind yourself that there's a reason you know it so well. And that's because you've been introduced to it and because you're, you're using it every day. Uh, customers sometimes don't tap into a product or service that you're offering and they won't for months or years just because they either forget about it or they don't understand it. So kind of keeping that excitement alive about what's possible is so important and making sure that you can communicate that excitement um, and remind them about why it's exciting is is a key. What are some other things that you could do to make your audience, make your customers uh, feel more connected and more perhaps part of a team? Because right now, everybody is in many cases feeling very distanced. They're feeling somewhat isolated. What are some ways to to bring people together and, and make them feel like they belong to something? Well, and, and this is, is a good point. I think there's kind of a weird habit in B2B that you kind of keep your cards close to your chest or you you know, only provide the thing that was asked for. I think it's really important to kind of make B2B customers more like B2B insiders. So everybody likes to be part of a group, especially now people want to feel like they're part of a group. And we're at this really beautiful point um, of being able to create that group simply by letting our customers uh, see what what we're doing, why we're doing it, kind of like a behind the scenes. So this can be something like, as simple as a newsletter, um, or it could be, you know, uh, an, an interview done over a iPhone or, or over, you know, your whatever program you're using now for uh, interacting with your team and just sharing every once in a while kind of where you are 
uh, as an organization, um, what you're working on, what's upcoming. Uh, it it's something that kind of goes beyond the sale. It it shows that you aren't just providing the service; you're also kind of welcoming them in, welcoming them into your organization as a partner. That's cool. It brings up one question for me, and that is, uh, I'm putting myself in the position of a marketer who is working from home and probably on seven Zoom calls a day and uh, and all that, but working on something like this kind of by yourself, it would seem that it might it might be a challenge to get things approved, uh, running them up the management chain. And this is a time where with, with their messaging and with their outreach, um, I think opportunity really, you know, favors the bold in this, in this sense, but there's also a sense that people want to be very careful with the stuff that they're putting out. Uh, would you have any advice for somebody who has big ideas about this sort of thing, but needs to run it up through the chain of approval? Well, I think, I think there's something to be said for, for earnestness and for just the excitement um, that you can bring to something. Don't, don't be shy about if you have a good idea and you know it can work and you know that it's going to add value to your customers um you should 100% bring that up and you know whether that's just an email or whether it's face to face whenever that's possible again or it's you know a a quick zoom meeting i think i think it's it's easy to think of everything as a really big project and a really big undertaking but none of this really has to be that big um, point. In fact, I think it's better if it's smaller and a little bit more intimate as far as, you know, who's making it happen. Point in fact, a, a lot of the suggestions that we've just been talking about can a hundred percent be done by one individual in your organization or um, just a very small group. And you're only reaching out to another very small group um, with your B2B customers. So I think, you know, having the right process in place, making sure you're doing it the right way, that's all very important. Uh, but I think it's also very important to realize that you should strike while the iron's hot um, and that you should have that open line of communication with any of your leadership uh, that they trust you to do this kind of work and that you trust them to back you on it. I think pitching that makes a lot of sense. And and the other thing that occurs to me about it is usually if you're in an office setting, uh, it'll be, oh, I have this idea. I need to get everybody in a room to talk about it. Uh, a week from Tuesday is what's going to work, right? I looked at everybody's schedule. Whereas if you can put a proposal together in this more remote work from home setup, you put a proposal together, you send it out to everybody you know, via your, your company email or if you're on Slack or Microsoft Teams or any of those kinds of tools, and you can say, uh, get back to me by... 10 a.m. tomorrow. That gives everybody the opportunity to look at it when they have when they have a moment and get back to you. It seems like it could be much more efficient in that sense uh, because you're putting it in front of people to react to rather than finding a time to pitch it to everybody at the same time. Right. The idea of like an asynchronous uh, workplace yeah. where maybe I'm checking it at two in the morning when I'm letting my dogs out, but you're checking it at eight in the morning when you wake up to get your coffee and, and go up to your home office or whatever it is. I think, I think it's so important for, for the world of B2B to stop thinking about the nine to five and start thinking about 
when are the good ideas coming and how quickly can I get them out to my organization? Absolutely. And that, I mean, and it's, that sounds immensely like, you know, work, work 80 hours a week, but it really should be a hundred percent the opposite. Um, When I have a good idea about something, I'll share it out with my group, but I also won't press myself to always come up with great ideas. That's crazy. Um, And it's kind of the same, same thing with, you know, these suggestions that I, that I have in this uh, blog post that you read, it's more about, you know, I have this new way of making sure that I'm connected to my, to my customer base. How can I make sure that I do that? Well, I'm not going to wait until, you know, the, the whistle goes at work and I can sit down at a computer and figure it out. Like I'm going to figure it out right there. I might implement it later. Um, but I think being flexible with yourself and being flexible with your ideas and how you generate those ideas and how you share them um, is really what's going to be the driving force of B2B in the future. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, that blog post, again, I, I have it in front of me here. And so the, the four points that you go over are, uh, are checking in beyond status updates, making suggestions of new things that people haven't necessarily considered before reminding them what's possible which is my favorite because it's got that that inspirational quality to it and also making your b2b customers more like b2b insiders and giving them that sense of belonging to something bigger if you want to check that out just go to godfrey.com and click on insights you can scroll down until you find it um matt thank you so much for sharing your time with us today and sharing those insights uh, it was really a pleasure to talk to you oh Pleasure is all mine, Scott. Great. Thanks very much. Thank you. Marketing to Complex Industries is presented by Godfrey, a B2B marketing agency for industries like yours. Godfrey is built for technical products, discerning buyers, and intricate buying cycles. For more information, visit Godfrey.com.